Well, good morning. Uh, I'm going to start off by reading uh, the passages that we're going to be exploring today. <clears throat> we're going to be looking at three key passages from the book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, so have a look with me. Uh, we're going to be looking at Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 14, Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verses 11 and 12, and Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 6. So let's read them. Ecclesiastes 8, verse 14. There are righteous people to whom it happens according to the deeds of the wicked, and there are wicked people to whom it happens according to the deeds of the righteous. All right, next we have Ecclesiastes 9, 11. The race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to the intelligent, nor favour to those with knowledge, but time and chance happen to them all. And finally, we have Ecclesiastes, oh, sorry, and verse 12. For man does not know his time, like fish that are taken in an evil net, and like birds that are caught in a snare. So the children of men are snared at an evil time when it suddenly falls upon them. Finally, let's have a look at Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 6. In the morning, sow your seed, and at evening withhold not your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. All right, let's pray. Good Heavenly Father, may your spirit open our, open our hearts to receive whatever word you would have us hear. May we be reminded of your sovereign control and that you are a good God in your name. Amen. Well, the loss of control is unsettling. It's unsettling for individuals. It's unsettling for families. It's upsetting for the global community. You know, and everything is, is put into place to try to get that stability, that control back. We desperately want security and stability. You know, that's why we get catchphrases that kind of try to attempt to bring about at least a pseudo stability with, you know, we're all in this together. Well, yes, we are, but it's a bit hard to feel that sense of all together when it's via Zoom. Uh, you know, we get, we want that control. We want everything to be all right. Um, but the, the, this whole idea of control certainly has been dissipated with the advent of COVID. 2019, and now we're in 2021, mid-year, and I'm teaching school online, you're working from home, and the ever-dynamic situation has left many of us with a sense of feeling in a state of scrambling, scrambling to know what's happening next, scrambling to know how we're going to get through the next little bit of time homeschooling those kids whilst trying to do work. You know, we've lost our rhythms, we've lost our habits and practices that so directed our lives beforehand, and now... We are left with no catching up with friends, no church hangouts, uh, no regular work or even workspace. And we all have homework as well. And the worst part is we're not even able to see loved ones. Well, today, rather than doing a two to three point structured sermon, sorry if that disappoints you, and we're going to dwell on a few passages from the book of Ecclesiastes. But the idea of looking at the wisdom that is found concerning the reality of chance in our lives. Uh, we will explore the grounds for uncertainty, insecurity, and 
the anxiety that is caused by such randomness and chance in our lives. You know, when life successes or failures seem little more than determined by a cosmic roll of the die. And then, and then we will counter it with the gospel truth that although it may appear as though chance is ruling the day, the reality is that God's always in control and nothing takes him by surprise. He's always working for the good of those that love him. So that is the um, approach we're going to take today. And we're going to see how God um, really steps into that space. Uh, let's have a look at, firstly, Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verses 14. So let's turn there, or you can look at it on the screen. Um, it says, there are righteous people to whom it happens according to the deeds of the wicked, and there are wicked people to whom it happens according to the deeds of the righteous. This is an important point to remember, is that prosperity and hardship aren't determined by whether you act in a good or bad way necessarily. Also, there's not indicators of God's favour or displeasure in you if you are experiencing some sort of success or a sense of abandonment. Being a righteous person does not equate to necessarily receiving earthly blessings. Uh, there is no prescribed formula to determine what you can expect. You is simply relying upon God and his judgment. And actually, we're, we're promised in verses such as 1 Peter 1.7 that God's refining of us comes in the form of discipline through hardship and suffering, which produces character. So the blessing you might actually receive for living a goodly, a good and godly life will, if you're a Christ follower, result in hardship and suffering. That is why it's important as we look around and we see what is happening in our world at the moment, that just because we might be experiencing hardship in this moment, perhaps losing a job, feeling um, separated from loved ones, or even tragically losing a loved one during this COVID time, and we're not able to reach out to them. But this is not a sign that somehow you have lost favour with God. God acts according to his unfathomable ways, according to his unfathomable wisdom. He is beyond our understanding or control of the sovereign events that he governs. And a perfect example of this, if you want to have a, another read of it during um, this period of time of lockdown, is the book of Job. Because in the book of Job, we see a perfect example of Ecclesiastes 8, 14. And the book of Job is also considered wisdom literature. And we're met with a, this character by the name of Job, who's living a prosperous life. And in a moment, literally a few hours, he loses everything, his property, his children, his sense of security and even his health. And he is left destitute and he is stripped down to the bone. And he rightfully cries out to God. He says, God, what is going on? Like, I've lost everything. Aren't I, aren't I a good person? Aren't I living a righteous life? Well, yes, this is a heart-wrenching situation for Job. And Job is, is crying out to God, but he has failed to understand in this instance, and he comes to understand that there's not a restitutive sort of 
formula. There's not a tit for tat. I do this, therefore I get that. It's not an equation, mathematical equation. I put in A, therefore I necessarily get B, which therefore um, equals C, happiness. That's not the equation. And Job comes to see that there isn't a correlation between the righteousness of an individual and the suffering they, they experience. And um, if this is really important for us to remember, as Ecclesiastes is saying, you know, there are righteous people to whom it happens according to the deeds of the wicked. If, if we place our security, our trust in the circumstances, we're going to be extremely disappointed. We're going to be devastated with some life events that occur. You know, when the unexpected yields poor returns, you know, we might respond in our life in the way that Job initially does and say, God, what is going on? Aren't I following you? Aren't I your way? Following your way. But in the book of Job, we also have this, this um, Job's suffering reveals a painful but salvific reality. That our time is filled with confusion, questions about suffering, and uncertainty involved in living. And yet... We need to trust God in the highs and the lows. We need to trust him on the mountaintops and in the valleys. We need to trust him when he's seen and when he's afar ahead. And we don't think he's there, but he's always there. He's worthy to be praised and worshipped in all experiences of life, as hard as this is. As hard as it is. That's why Job says, and he says, he comes to an understanding, he repents in dust and ashes, that God is sovereign. And we also read in Romans chapter 11, 33, that Paul reminds the Roman church, he says, oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom of knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. How unscrutable his ways. Now, mind you, this, is, this seems, it can seem relatively easy to say. It can be seeming to almost come across as trite, say, oh, well, God's ways are high, God's unscrutable ways, he, inscrutable ways, he knows, he knows. You know, we've, when you've got that mortgage to pay and you've been let off due to COVID and you had very little savings to rely on to begin with, or when you're waiting on that list for the important elective surgery and then you're told, no, sorry, elective surgeries are cancelled, and you're in a bit of pain because of it. Or when you're struggling with feeling connected and now you're feeling even more disconnected because of the isolation forced upon you for weeks, unexpectedly, a snap lockdown turns into six plus weeks of being alone. God's ways don't feel particularly easy to sit in that here they are inscrutable and that his ways are higher than ours. But like Job, we're to trust in God, we're to continue to trust in God whilst letting those tears stream down our face. Just as a psalmist says in numerous psalms, he cries out to the Lord, he talks about his pillow being drenched with tears. We can do that. We have that freedom to pour out the innards of our soul and the, the gut-wrenching pain that we feel, knowing that God allows us to do that and to come to him, and yet his ways are inscrutable. 
and in all suffering, he is sovereign. We can come to God angry and with questions, but always with humility. Which leads us to our next passage, an appearance of chance. Um, in our next passage, can we please turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 9, and we're going to look at verses 11 to 12, and we're going to start off with verse 11 first. We see the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to the intelligent, nor favour to those with knowledge, but time and chance happen to them all. This is a sobering reality. In an age where we're told that if you just work hard, focus on your dream, you will get it. That's not necessarily the case. Life's run isn't a smooth run. Anyone can attest to that. It's full of, it's full of hidden potholes. You know, mental illness, family tragedy, COVID. Um, it can be financial hardship. There's so many things that can cause us to stumble in this race of life and this race is living as a Christian. Chance things happen and we can't account for them. We cannot account for them. There's no guaranteed success that if we put in a certain amount of work, then a certain return or yield is guaranteed. We, we hope, but there's no guarantee. And um, under heaven, there is no guarantee for success. The time that you expend may result in wasted time. But when we realize that God is ultimately writing the script, we can be secure knowing that a greater peace that the world can offer is ours. We can be secure knowing a greater peace than the world can possibly offer is ours. Because the game is rigged as a Christian. You know, verse 11 shows the unpredictability of life. That if you're a fast runner, you might be overtaken by a slow person. You might trip. And the other person who in no way should win the race, win whatever they're, they're working for, um, compared to your efforts and your straining, ends up winning. That's why we read the race is not necessarily to the swift. Now, strength, for example, is a virtue that we can exert force over another or exert force over things. But sometimes things are beyond our control. And the result is an upsetting of the normal rhythm or pattern, nor the battle to the strong. Now, it's the Olympics at the moment. Does anyone remember Stephen Bradbury? Stephen Bradbury, 2002. We see him doing the short skate, um, short ice skate uh, 1,000 metre at the Winter Olympics. He's clearly last of all of the laps, clearly. And then on the final lap, just before the finish line, the first competitor trips and all of them fall over like dominoes. And Steve Bradbury just cruises on through and he gets the goal. It was a classic moment. Um, you know, spectacular. But all of those others, you can imagine their disappointment. They trained so hard. They were winning. They should have been up there. Stephen Bradbury should have been last. Last, but no. Chance happens to them all. It's skill. The plans we make are not a guarantee of anything. Someone just might be at the right place at the right time. Uh, reminds me of another example. There's, you know, there's a shop up the road that has just opened and, and Jamie loves it. It's kind of a boutique little shop and it's, it's, it's beautifully outlaid. It's on Arthur Street. And every time we drive by, Jamie's like, I'm going to buy something from that shop. And the reason being, it's technically open, 
but it's not opened a single day. It's been open for about six months. The reason being due to COVID. And you can just imagine how that shopkeeper must be feeling to have established such a shop, this beautifully decorated shop, boutique shop, ready to open, to serve, life dreams, and then COVID hits. It's all stopped. And set up during Australia's recession, first in 30 years. Chance happens to all. Have a look at verse 12 now as we continue. Have a look at verse 12. We'll see that death can come at any moment for anyone as well. For man does not know his time. Like fish that are taken in an evil net and like birds that are caught in a snare. So the children of man are snared in an evil time when it suddenly falls upon them. This is such a harsh reality. This is, this is a reality that calls and screams out injustice in this world. When you have children passing before their parents, when you have fathers and mothers passing before they can see their children grow. I was teaching in Caloundra State High School um, 2012, and I taught this set of twins that were cheeky. They, I, I taught them the same class. They would gang up together. They, sorry, they would fight like incessantly about each other. But as soon as you, you tried to highlight to one that they need to correct their behavior, all of a sudden they joined together, joined forces, even though they were separated across the class and they would just, just be a pain really. Um, but I received this terrible news years later that uh, one of the girls, her name was Hope, uh, one week after year 12 graduation, one week after year 12 graduation, was in a car with some friends and the friend was driving and he lost control and the car skirted and slid and smashed into a tree and Hope, Hope died. Everything before her. There's no guarantee that we have another moment. There's no guarantee. This is a sobering reality, and so many of us in our, in, our, in our church community can attest to this being a reality and how hard it is. That's why it says, you know, a man does not know their time, and they're caught up like a fish in a net, unexpectedly death, snatch at us. And we're left with the sobering reality that there is no guarantee. Two guarantees in life, death and taxes, they say. Well, theoretically, taxes could technically be avoided, but death can't be. Well, this is why we need more perspective. And now we're going to look at our final passage today from Ecclesiastes comes from Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Because we might be tempted at this point to say, well, if striving and making plans for the future is futile, why bother? I'm just like, yo, I'm going to do my own thing because I might die tomorrow. I might get hit by a bus. Well, Ecclesiastes 11.6 says, well, there's another side to this wisdom that we need to consider. And that is in the morning, you need to sow your seed. And at evening, withhold not your hands. So get out there, be productive. For you do not know which you will, for you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. It might, it's not good enough to say, well, oh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to make plans. It could all change in an instant. I'm, I'm just going to live for now. I'm not going to save the future because I may not be there to enjoy it. 
because we're told that God is, is sovereign. We don't know which will happen, alike, good or bad, but we are to be faithful. God expects us to be industrious. God expects us to be productive and proactive. And as we read in the book of Proverbs, there's numerous references to the sluggard. Um, actually, Amalia's been listening to a song. I don't know the name of the song this past week, but basically, don't be a sluggard. Uh, you don't want to be a sluggard. It's a bad idea. Um, and we read also in 2 Thessalonians, this is what Paul is writing to the church of Thessalonica. He says, if anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. Because someone might be tempted to say, well, if, if who knows? I can't predict anything. I'll just sit here and I'll just food will come. It's up to God, right? He's sovereign. No, no, no. This is what Paul says. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Now, such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ, in God's name, to do their work quietly and earn their living. We're not to become trapped in the fear of happenstance. Although we can't guarantee the future, we are to scatter our seed, make our plans, dream and strategize. But we are to also be humble, to know that we're not God. What God's will is, is what God's will is. We are to humbly be seed sowers, not seed growers, not seed growers. Humbly resting in God, knowing that whether we prosper or whether we have seeming ill, it is all according to God's will. We've seen today that by all appearances, chance Chance on one level is a fact of life. And from a worldly perspective, it is definitely a fact of life. That is all they see. They only have one layer of vision. Whereas we have a second layer of vision. Now, I used to have this wonderful analogy when I had glasses, but I don't have that an analogy anymore due to laser eye. But I'll, I'll use it anyway. So say, you know, well, there's two realities. Worldly people only see with no glasses. And that's the, the, the plane that they see through. But... Um, when you put glasses on, there's a different reality that you see through. Because when I didn't have glasses before laser eye surgery, it was all blurry and fuzzy. You all look like trees far away. And when I put my glasses on, I could see clearly the reality came before me. And that is our experience as Christians. We get a new reality. This reality, this plane of existence that we have right now is seen through a new lens, through a new window, through a new window of understanding. Although it might appear as though chance is willing today, we read in the scripture in numerous places, and we're only going to touch on a couple, that all has been predetermined for those who are in Christ Jesus. And God intimately knows you and has predetermined all elements and steps in your life as we see in Psalm 139. God has brought us certainty. God has brought us security. God has brought us peace in the face of a world that says and seems to be a space of chance. I'm going to read now, if you wish to have a look at this passage, it's um, Ephesians chapter 1. And we're going to read verses 3 to 14. Ephesians chapter 1, 3 to 14. So wonderfully, I think it really expresses it. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing 
We have been blessed. If we call Christ our Savior and Lord, we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. No temporal blessing can, can compare to the spiritual blessings we have of joy, peace, kindness, compassion, all of those gifts of the Spirit that have been imparted into us and the inheritance that comes with spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. In, the, in his foresight, in his unending wisdom and graciousness and compassion, God chose you before the very foundation of the world. If he can choose you before the foundation of the world, nothing in this life can rock the foundation of security knowing that you're in God if we have the lens of looking through the kingdom perspective. And that we should be holy and blameless before him. When all worldly purpose or uh, all worldly endeavors seem to come to an end and we're at a loss, we need to remember and reorient ourselves to the reality that he has given us a purpose. He's given us a task, and that is to be holy and blameless for him, to be presentable as his bride to him. As we continue, in love, he predestined us. He predetermined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, sons or daughters through Jesus Christ. You're a son or daughter of the God of the universe. Before any of this physical matter was in existence, God had already predetermined to adopt you as son or daughter. Amazing. According to the purposes of his will, it is according to his purposes, his will, that things will happen in your life according to how they do, as difficult as this is. To the praise of his glorious grace. Why? Because we have a noble, glorious task of being in Christ for the glory of God. For the praise of his grace, his majesty, what he did for us, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood. That is guaranteed. We have redemption through his blood. We have the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished. He lavished. It's not a small. He he stingily, he, he sparingly. Now he lavished upon us. He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. Nothing catches God by surprise. Making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose. Once again, we're seeing according to his purpose, which he has set forth in Christ as a plan, as a plan, for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him, we have obtained an inheritance. No matter if we lose everything in this world, everything, we have an inheritance that is guaranteed, guaranteed by God, as we will see. Having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works not some, not some, 
but all things according to the counsel of his will. Verse 12, so that we who were first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Nothing can touch the security. Nothing can touch your certainty. Nothing can touch your peace when you realize and you remember that the Holy Spirit is a guarantor of our inheritance until we acquire it to the praise of the glory. He is the seal of our inheritance. Although life is going to present so many difficulties, so much uncertainty, so much angst and things that are taken away and things that come into our life, when the world seems chaotic and when the inner world feels tumultuous, rise above the world. Rise above the world. Remember certainty. Remember that security. Remember that peace is yours in Christ Jesus. Not necessarily a worldly peace. Probably the opposite. But a heavenly secure peace is yours. And that is why as Christians we can agree with Paul in Philippians chapter 4, 1, uh, Philippians chapter 4, 11 to 13. Paul writing to the Philippians, he says this truth that we need to embrace, we need to remember, daily reminding ourselves of this. For I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. All things through him who strengthens me. And this was secured through Christ Jesus before the foundation of the world was planned, that he would be the lamb slain so that your life could be written in the book of life. I'm going to finish off with Romans chapter 8. I think it's such a fitting passage that really encapsulates what we have in Christ Jesus, what Christ has secured for us. Would you read with me, please? Romans chapter 8. We're going to start at verse 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What shall we say then to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Right now he is. Verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we've been killed all day long. 
We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is our truth, church. Let's pray. Dad in heaven, thank you that you are sovereign. Although on one level through one one reality of viewing this world, it seems as though chance sometimes deals cruelly. But you are above chance. You are the one who is in control of all. When we have heaven's eyes, when we have kingdom eyes, we realise that there is nothing that takes you by surprise. There is no such thing as chance. In the good and the bad, when you give and when you take away, you are good, you are sovereign, you are love, you are in control. And yet you also give us the freedom to cry out to you in our depths, in our anguish, just as Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane. And yet we are reminded that just as Christ said, not my will but yours, May this be our prayer too. God in heaven, thank you for Jesus. In your name, through Jesus Christ. Amen.